Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture and China, and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care, and we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it, all while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com/wonder. This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Window. Your work can take you all over the place, like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com. morning crypto good morning warriors hello and welcome back to another episode of your favorite crypto news channel good morning crypto where we bring you the most relevant and impactful crypto related topics from the top crypto research team in the world i'm your host abs joined by several members of our 3t family this morning we got the italian stallion mr johnny crypto billy the chart analysis expert, and today is a very special day as we have a renowned educator in the crypto space and a former, I mean an honorary member of the 3T family, Kevin Cage is in the building to bring us all the updates on XRP, Quant, Casper. We're going to dive into it all, so I'm very excited for this episode. Today on Good Morning Crypto, we'll be discussing how Coinbase CEO Brian Armstrong is sending a message to the crypto community, claiming that tribalism is killing this industry. As Gary Gensler is under fire at the SEC, showing new reports that government officials have had enough. Ripple reached a major milestone this week as they now own less than 50% of the total XRP. And we show our listeners new evidence from the SEC stating that the XRPL is a decentralized blockchain. Jim Cramer was crying yesterday on air as he apologized to investors for misleading information. While Twitter is being bought up by Elon Musk, it's now becoming compatible with NFTs, allowing users to display their NFTs all around the world. And today we take the opportunity to ask our special guest about his unique perspective on the crypto market. Breaking down projects like Casper and Quan Network, we show our listeners how 2023 could be the year of institutional adoption. Our show is available on your favorite podcast platforms like Spotify and Apple Music. And for those of you listening via podcast, our show is live on YouTube Monday through Friday, 11 a.m. Eastern at the 3T Warrior Academy channel. So Kevin Cage, we are going right to you, my friend. Thank you for being here on this Friday. As you heard, we're going to put you on the spot this morning. We're going to talk about all of your favorite tokens, ISO compliant, Casper, Quant, the list goes on and on. But before we get into that, how you feeling, my friend? And thank you for being here. Hey, what's up, guys? Thanks for having me. And uh, I even I forgot it was Friday. So what is going on? <laughs> another day, another beautiful day in the matrix, my friends. And we got Billy, the chart analysis expert and an L.A. fan. Billy, how you feeling, my friend? And thank you for being here, bro. Great to be here, man. A little pause for some reason. I'm blessed to be here. So excited to be on here with Kevin. The fact that, you know, we could be on with a guest today and, and an amazing guest at that is just huge. Big shout out to the team. I love seeing you guys. I just, I love being here with you guys, man. Fridays are always a dope day for me. Awesome. And yeah, man. I love LA. I can tell, Billy. I can tell. Shout out to LA. And we got Johnny Crypto in the morning. Johnny Crypto supporting the Merlin background. I love it, my friend. How you feeling today and what's on your mind? First of all, let me start this off like I do every day. Good morning to all the warrior maniacs out there today. We love you. appreciate you. Thank you for showing up every single day and listening to us. I want to say a shout out. Good morning to my brother, Billy. Billy, I always love. It's great to see you. Abs to you as well. But I am super, super excited for today's guest, Kevin Cage. I've been following this guy from when I first day I got into crypto. I love his voice. I know that sounds kind of corny, but I don't care. I love his voice. I just get excited when I hear that deep voice as he's talking about my favorite topic, crypto. So you have no idea how happy I am today. This is like a 
a dream where you get to meet like the celebrity, you know, <laughs> stars. So I'm so happy to have you here, Kevin. I can't wait to dive into it. But Abs, before we do that, I have to address something. I have to address this topic that I saw yesterday. I don't know if you guys know this, but yes, we do read the comments that you guys write under YouTube. And somebody wrote yesterday that these guys, meaning us, are paid by Ripple to promote XRP. And I just want to tell you guys, yeah, you know what? We're paying a whole whopping zero. There is, we are paying nothing. We do this show for free to help you guys out, to help ourselves out, to talk as a community because we love and we're passionate about this. But I can assure you guys, we aren't paid a single penny by anybody or anything. It's just out of the good graces that we're here every day. So I just want to throw that out there, Abs, and let people know that while we love XRP and we're passionate about it, <laughs> show us the receipts because I want to know where the money is. I ain't seen a penny. Abs, have you? Thank you, Johnny. No, if they're sending those checks, they got the wrong address. But we're going to start <laughs> this show off the same way we always do by showing you our Good Morning Crypto Twitter account. That's at 3TGM Crypto on Twitter. You get access to every member of our team. Go smash that follow button. We love talking to you. The Bitcoin fear and greed index has climbed out of extreme fear and is barely in moderate fear. Showing a 30 this morning, nothing really worth addressing, but we're going to dive into the total coin market cap. We are sitting at $993 billion in total market cap this morning. Bitcoin is 40% dominance. Ethereum is about 18%. I am getting a malfunction on my screen, Johnny Crypto, so I'm going to ask you to take over here while I get this situated for our listeners. Yeah, yeah, you know, this is true. We we are paid by XRP and anxiety and stress as we waited two years for this damn lawsuit to end. But no, on a serious note, you know, it really is, it is one of those things where, guys, you have to go out there, you have to do your homework. You have to do your research. And the thing that's so excited about our guest today, Kevin, is that's exactly what Kevin does. Kevin, and if you guys aren't following Kevin Cage, you have no idea what you're missing. This man does so much deep analysis in, 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 in you know, uncovering companies, you know, Casper, a API three, and the list just goes on and on of all the different things out there that Kevin does, and it's so he's just a, a wonderful asset to have to the crypto community. And my 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 my, my I encourage all you guys to go ahead and um, follow him, and you're going to learn a lot more than you knew coming in. Awesome, guys. And we're going to get this interview started, Kevin. So the first token that I would love for you to address is Quant Network. And this is a token that we've been talking about for about eight months on our channel. So many reasons to be excited about this project. But what we want to focus on today is the fact that the CEO of Quant Network, Gilbert Verdian, previously worked with the UK Prime Minister who is working to bring in not only crypto regulation, but they want to be the hub for cryptocurrency around the world. So I'd love to give you a chance to just speak about the connections that you understand with Quant and what makes you so excited about this project specifically. Yeah, so QNC was actually on my radar thanks to a guy on Twitter, I am Legion, back in 2018. When we were looking at XRP and diving into banks and understanding partnerships, there were some videos and research he was sharing connected to SIA, an Italian banking consortium of like 600 banks. And I was like, oh my gosh, like you're seeing the company, you're seeing Overledger, this operating system for blockchain, for interoperability, for not only blockchain in the new tech, but the old tech. So I was like, whoa, the glue that holds all of this together. Oh yeah, perfect. And seeing that back in 2018, you didn't see that for projects. You saw an article saying this project might be partnered with Walmart and then it pumped 200%. And QNT, <laughs> QNT was just on another level early on um, in seeing groups like R3 even mention it in videos. I was like, okay, one, this is legitimate. And it's you know two to $5 fluctuating. And at the time, I got DMs from people, and I love the guys because they're looking out for me, but they were saying, Q&T, it's a scam. They don't need the token for um, license fees. They don't need this or that. And that's when you have to rely on doing your own research. I watched some uh, the CEO's interviews in 2018 on Blockchain Brad's channel, one of the most underrated, unknown creators in the space that just um, interviews the CEOs of the space, the builders. And after I watched that, I was like, okay, I need to get a moon bag. And so, yeah, I think QNT is awesome. It's done exceptionally well now, um, doing a 2000X over the past few years. Uh, tokenomics are some of the best. And uh, yeah, I'm a long-term believer. I see, you know, see it connected to Swift now with Cybos. You have Swift disencrypto early on. And then last year or this year, they say, 
Now we're looking at digital assets. <laughs> and this is what's pretty exciting, Kevin. We always talk about how 2023 is the year of institutional adoption. And there's a reason that we say that. We're following all the litigation that's taking place over in London and Europe specifically because of the SEC and the fact they're suing Ripple. It seems like everything is being hindered over here. But what are you anticipating when you talk about the connections and the utility that Quant's providing? You said something really important. It's going to connect the old systems to the new system. So for somebody who doesn't have a background understanding, what does that really mean? So really just think of a bridge. Um, interoperability is that keyword, a little bit of jargon in the space, just to allow everything to have a similar standard. So just like Chris Larson back in the day talked about um, shipping containers, once they regulated a standard size and process for shipping containers, that increased logistics tenfold. And we saw that big Cambrian explosion. We're going to see the same thing for this type of legacy tech and payments and interoperability we have a, a similar standard. So Gilberts, he was, you know, working on an ISO standard specifically for QNT before anybody really knew what ISO was. Mm -hmm. um, just like ISO 222 was created in 2004 for messaging. So yeah, I'm just impressed. I'm learning every single day with Quant. It's so hard to keep track. Um, and yeah, happy for everybody. Yeah, you know what's you know what's interesting, Kevin. When we look into quant, it's one of the things we got into is the relationships that Gilbert has. Gilbert actually worked for the Federal Reserve, so when you know, I always believe it's more who you know than what you know. And he's got the right connections. And when you're in the industry and you understand the problems, it's a lot easier to bring a solution. And so I think that's one of the things that excites me about quant is Gilbert being in there, being in the trenches, knowing, seeing what was coming and then putting, like you said, putting ISO together before people knew it was needed because he knew he was in there is why I'm super, super bullish on Quant. I love it. And I'm looking forward to Kevin. And one of the other things I wanted to point out is we always bring up his resume, just like Johnny did. But the most important thing that I think is on here is the fact that he worked with the federal reserve and the secure payments task force from March of 2017 to July of 2018. And the reason the dates are important because he had already created Quant at that point. So he had already created Quant Network. Then he went and worked at the Federal mm. Reserve creating another secure payments task force. Really interesting stuff. I'd love to give you a chance to just close out the Quant content. Then we're going to dive into some articles. Yeah, I, I'm not even surprised. Gilbert seems like he's just always making plans. And now their team is growing. Um, their connections with Swift, just always impressed. So um, yeah, we can talk about prices later. Here's awesome. Great, Thank you so much, Kevin. Good, Abs, here's a great question from our from our crew here, some or from our chat. You know, does anybody Kev, do you have any feelings on when you think we might see real world use of, of something like a quant technology? How many years from now? Um, I mean, I, I would argue that we're seeing it now. It's just mm. such a slow and steady process that you can't tell. Um, if we see the token holders for Q and T, it's still pretty minute. But if you saw a token do a two thousand X from the all time low. Um, I call that a success already. Now I know if it in five years, all of a sudden it crashes or goes back down, people say it's a failure. But when I look at assets, there's no good asset. I'm looking at this for an opportunity to make money, get my initial capital out and look for the next one. Leave a little bit for life if you you know are in love with it and you see that upside and the ROI is you know better there compared to somewhere else. But yeah, I'm not married to any asset. I have some moon bags, a portion I hold, but there's no good assets. Sounds like somebody has a great exit plan. Johnny Crypto, one of the things that he brought up is that from now until 2027, Mark Yusko brought this up on the show. We're going to go through a regulatory process, and some of those moon bags could be the bags that create generational wealth. We got 256 lab listeners joining us. Show us some love. Smash that like button. We're about to give you an update as Ripple released their quarterly report yesterday showing that their ODL volume is only continuing to increase despite the SEC lawsuit. So in quarter two of 2022, they did 2.1 billion in ODL sales in total volume. That is up to 2.8 billion in quarter three. Kevin, I'd love to go to you here. There's so many reports and so much bullish sentiment coming out around Ripple. We shared uh, an article from Brad Garlinghouse showing that he anticipated the end of the lawsuit would come in the first quarter of 2023. We're only about two or three months away. I'd love to hear what you're anticipating. And how do you feel about Ripple's ODL volume, volume continuing to increase despite the SEC lawsuit? So I personally would love nothing more than settlements and for XRP to be determined not a security on a go-forward basis. Um, I'm not an attorney, so I cannot predict the dates. I do believe it will be by end of 2023, and which yep. is crazy because that's three years of a lawsuit. Um, and overall, just watching you know XRP and RippleNet evolve, we started in you know 2018 with XRapid. We had a few partners, Mercury, FX, and all these groups. 
And now we're doing what? A $15 billion plus run rate of ODL. So right now, XRP is being used $15 billion through XRP for you know internal treasury use cases, remittances. For me, that's utility. Now we want that liquidity to grow and grow and grow. We want other use cases to um, be created so that we eventually have that ground floor. So I think we're going to look uh, crazy for a while until we're right. But in my opinion, and not financial advice, I do believe this is going to be looked back at like winning the lottery in slow motion. Johnny, and abs, yeah, just to build on that, you know, so I did, I asked a question yesterday, a poll or question on Twitter to people, when do they think this lawsuit's going to end? And the majority of the people came back and said, basically in the ballpark of Q1 2023. Now, I don't know if that's because that's what Brad came out and said, and maybe he kind of reset the expectation for everybody, but a good number of people actually believe that this thing's going to end. And again, I'm like Kevin, I'm not an attorney. I have no idea when this thing's going to end. They've been delaying and dragging this thing on forever. But I think now that the Hinman emails are out there and that the smoking gun is in there, I truly, truly believe that the SEC is not going to risk the the ability of the possibility of losing this case, which then means they, the precedent would be set that they would lose the ability to go after companies and do what they do. Right. And enforce. So I suspect you'll see, probably as we talked about on the show, a a win-win settlement where I think they'll come out and and Ripple will agree to say, okay, you know what? Fine. In 2020, 2013, the way we operated was the security here. Here's a little fine. Leave us still, but the SEC is going to have to announce that the way we're operating today is a currency and leave us alone. And that's really a win-win for both sides. And I, I suspect right now that that's probably the discussions that's going on. And that would be a fantastic thing if that came out because it would end this case Quickly get it over with, and then Ripple can actually go on and do what it does best and start uh, promoting this thing in the U.S. Because that's when I'm going to get excited when I start to see. We got adoption everywhere else in the world. And Brad has said it's been slow in the U.S. But once this case and this monkey's off his back, I think we're going to see the potential for real adoption in the U.S. And that's going to be super exciting in my opinion. You know, that that timeline makes sense, too, with Q1 of next year because that gets us through the midterm elections. That gets us through the end of the year, the holidays here. And that brings us into, you know, everyone coming back in to the new year. All the vacations are done. We'll wrap everything up. Um, that That's right in line with everything that's happening. Kevin, if I can I just make another comment here. We've been showing this document all week to everybody because I'd love to get your opinion. This document shows that the Department of Justice, as well as FinCEN, publicly described XRP as a virtual currency back in 2015. The reason this is so important is they also considered Ripple a subsidiary to register as a money services business. So if Ripple did qualify as a money services business, that would exclude the SEC from having any jurisdiction over Ripple whatsoever or the commodities that they're selling. The CFTC also declared that virtual currencies are considered commodities and XRP was considered a virtual currency in these documents. I'd love to hear what you think about that. If Ripple is considered a money services business, can you imagine the impact that would have on our industry? That would be insane. And I, I think what uh, Stuart Alderati has said in the past, general counsel for Ripple, is there's going to be new classifications. You can't use an 80-year-old Howey test. Um, I've been reading about uh, securities laws or securities law a lot more. And just looking at this, just like Stuart said, there's going to be utility tokens, payment tokens. There will be security tokens. But when you're looking at everything under XRP, it's going to be a commodity, a currency, or some new type of classification. So... Yeah, I'm not surprised. There's a lot of hypocrisy in uh, the SEC's arguments and the XRP, as John Deaton has said, XRP in 2013, it was very different than it was today or than it is today. And I want to remind our listeners that even back in 2017, XRP experienced that massive bull run where we went from below a penny to I believe it was $3.84 in just 240 days. We weren't even listed on major exchanges. We weren't on Coinbase at that point. I don't believe we were on Binance, but I think that's important to note because we're not listed on any exchanges now when people are saying, how are we going to get this massive price run? Well, it's going to come from the institutions. And that's what we're about to show you right now because we have a video stating that when the institutions come in, that's when the floodgates open for Ripple. We got 297 live listeners out there. Show us some love. Smash that like button. Kevin Cage is in the building. So I'm very excited for this episode. We're going to let the short clip play and get comments from the group. Here we go. Singapore really friendly towards uh, fintechs 
So we're seeing London, Singapore, and the UAE. All of them have listed XRP as a virtual currency and not a security. But I'm interested to hear what Kevin Cage has to say about the institutional adoption that you think we're going to experience. What do you think will happen for a project like Ripple? Let's just use it as an example. When we do have a regulatory framework and banks start using cryptocurrencies for their use cases instead of speculation. Well, I think it's obvious that we're seeing institutions look to own the picks and shovels. We saw um, Fidelity and BlackRock each invest $200 million into Circle, the firm, over USDC. We're seeing all of them start trading desks. Fidelity, Charles Schwab, BlackRock, Goldman, JP Morgan, Bank of New York, and Citadel, one of the world's largest market makers. And it can get as corrupt as you can imagine. If you look on a, the Netflix documentary with GameStop, talking about Citadel being the world's or one of the largest market makers, making markets for Robinhood. The largest hedge funds were trying to short it during that short squeeze. They turned off the buy button within Robinhood. Citadel claims it wasn't them, but there's just so many weird things. I think the institutions, you know, if they can't beat us, they're going to own the picks and shovels. And that's what I think has been planned for a while. Johnny Crypto, I'd love to give you a chance to comment there. And then we're going to get into some Brian Armstrong quotes talking about how tribalism is killing crypto. But what's your thoughts, Johnny? Oh, we've been saying this for a while now, right? That regulation really is going to be the key to unlock the floodgates into this space. And the reason why we're so excited is because we're in so early. But I do agree with Kevin that it's all about the utility. We personally, I feel like they've been watching our show, Abs. We literally have been saying this for a while, that regulation is the key to be able to let all that money flood into it. And we heard we heard uh, Yosko say it and, Ke and Kevin O'Leary say it, that there's, 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 there's large institutions with one, two, three percent of their allocation. That's billions of dollars that's just sitting on the sideline that wants to come into this space that's going to then like high tide, right? Raise all boats. And it's going to be super excited that we're here early and we're, we're here first. And the good news is we hear all you guys pat yourself on the back, but don't break your arm while you're doing it. That you actually, if you're investing in certain technologies here, you are starting to own, as Kevin said, the picks. Um, you know, we're owning yeah. the rails of the, the system. Protocol. That's, yeah. The guys who made all the money in the gold rush wasn't the idiots that went and went looking for gold it was the guys that were selling the picks and the shovels right and that's why you guys should all be super excited because we're so i say it all the time we're so early kevin it feels like we're late but we're just so early and we have these adoption curves that so we haven't even started we haven't even started the elevation and the exponential growth that's coming and that's why it's super exciting and just to add to that, Johnny, if we were where we are in the adoption curve for the internet, it is 1997. It's not 2001. It's not exactly. 2004. It's 1997 Bingo. right now. So it's, it's a really exciting time to be getting involved in this market. we got 346 live listeners. Show us some love. Smash that like button. Kevin Cage is in the building. So we're going to talk about Swift and ISO protocols, of course. We've got an update from Swift talking about the timeline that they're anticipating for the ISO migration. Swift accepts the community request to start the ISO migration starting in March of 2023. And I want to draw this connection to a broader outlook. We always talk about how the ISO compliant tokens will provide or have the ability to provide the most value in the new financial system they're creating. Some of these are your favorites, Kev, whether it's Quant, Algorand, Hedera, Ripple, a bunch of gems are on here, but I'd love to get your thoughts. What are you anticipating from ISO compliant tokens over the next three, four years, long-term outlook once our financial system starts using them for their actual use cases. Yeah, so I'm a fan of all of these projects listed. I think it's important to you know show some attempt at getting compliance. And as like even Matt Hamilton has said before, technically these tokens are not ISO compliant, but some of the companies and the infrastructure behind it can be. So of course, you know Ripple and RippleNet is ISO compliant. It does not necessarily mean XRP is. However, typically these protocols are going to be working with systems that are. So I think that's a good sign. A lot better than, you know, just some meme coin. So I do think it's favorable for the future. Um, and there's a lot more that matters instead of just ISO for, you know, messaging. There's going to be new standards that are created as well. Um, so make sure that we're not just looking down a tunnel because there's going to be completely new use cases. A few years ago, there wasn't really DeFi. There wasn't automated market makers. Uniswap didn't exist. And we didn't have total value locked. We went from zero to over $100 billion in total value locked. Then we had the NFT bull run. Then we had the metaverse bull run. These are new use cases that we've never thought possible. So in the next five years, what are some new use cases going to be for Web3 that are going to bring this market even higher? NFTs, centralized ownership, uh, decentralized ownership. There's so many. The list goes on and on, right? Yep.
It's an exciting time. Johnny, did you have any thoughts on the ISO compliant tokens? I did want to draw the connection at the fact that this migration timeline is lining up perfectly with when the U.S. could get regulation. What are you anticipating, Johnny, as you finish up that live chat? Uh, yeah, exactly. You caught me uh, in the live chat here. And, and, uh, but I think, you know, and overall, as Kevin said, I really believe that this is truly, uh, if you're looking to get into crypto, this is a really, really good place to start. If you don't know much about crypto and you're trying to figure out how do I get into it other than following Kevin Cage, which I highly, uh, highly, highly recommend you do. Uh, um, I think that in a few other, you know, I think what you want to do is look at these, look at these, uh, the ISO 222 co tokens. It's a very, really good place because again, we're talking about utility. We want to be in something that there's a, there's a need that's going to solve a problem in the future. And we don't know which horses are going to win this race. None of us, anybody tells you they know, guess what? They're lying to you. Nobody has a freaking clue, but we all have, uh, you know, our opinions and our research that tells us and leads us to believe it. What are some ho good horse races to bet on, right? We only need one of them to win. But the reality is I want to make sure I've got some races, horses in this race abs. And to me, that's a very good place to start. Thanks, Johnny. And we're about to dive into some Casper news. And I'm excited because I don't think I know enough about this project. So I'm really interested to hear what Kevin has to say. The Casper network was developed by an ex-Ethereum programmer alongside coders from Microsoft, Google, and Adobe. Because Casper is designed for enterprise with the right vision and the right team, this is why they're going to revolutionize the cryptocurrency space in this one person's opinion. Kevin, I'd love to give you the floor. I always watch your channel and you're always talking about Casper. For anybody who hasn't heard of this project, what makes you so excited? Yeah. So once again, this is not financial advice. And no, I'm not paid by Ripple, Casper, Hedera, any people to even talk about these. I just get passionate and I do hold these tokens. So Casper... Um, it had an original CBC specification that was proposed years ago. Um, there's a paper also in 2018. And Casper, the company, decided they can implement all of this now with their own virtual machine and their own layer one blockchain. Whereas even Ethereum, it just migrated to ETH 2.0. We're still five years, you know, we're still five years away. So there's so many great people in the space. Some, you know, were, you know, early Bitcoin miners, ETH developers, and a lot of them are working with Casper. And why I'm interested specifically is because right from the jump, Casper had some big ties and connections to areas like Switzerland, the UAE, um, parts throughout Asia. And this one project that a lot of people don't know about has been in development for years and is speaking at the World Economic Forum at Davos, where there are over 120 billionaires. 50 plus heads of state, over 40 CEOs of Fortune 500s in some of the world's largest family offices, alongside Ripple and Hedera and these other huge companies. And it's the first and only project announced by IBM as an official partner, not just a, a council member or, you know, looking at trials, an official partner from the VP of blockchain of IBM. I think that's a big deal. Um, and then one last thing I'll let you talk is... You know, we, we've seen Algorand with a similar supply um, when all is said and done. And it did a 20x from the all-time low when volume came in and it experienced a bull run. You know, Hedera did over a 50x. The tokenomics are different. And the thing is about Casper, there's an 8% inflation rate. And some people, when you look at Q&T, you're like, man, I like Q&T because the tokenomics are way better. Well, let's do the math as well. Because if you consider an 8% inflation rate per year, how many years does it take for the supply to double? approximately nine years. And looking at that, it's like, okay, well, do I think I can get a big return before that? Me, I personally do. So that does not deter me by any means, because this is a utility token. And this is going to be used for, you know, governance, fees, you name it. That's awesome. Johnny or Billy, did you guys have any comments on Casper? If not, we can roll into our next topic. Nah, bro. I just like getting educated. <clears throat> yeah, uh, yeah. I got. I just got to say that not. It's not just Billy and I that think Kevin has a great voice, but even our audience here thinks <laughs> that. Hey, that's just the Kevin Cage auto tune. When any yeah. uh, when when any assets moon, I'll get up here I'm like ah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's no, awesome, I'm guys. So we got a great video prepared for us. Oh, I just want to wrap up. I am super excited about Casper too. And obviously, again, Kevin Cage turned me on to it. You know, when you're looking at an enterprise solution, which is we know is going to be coming, there's no question about it that that's going to be, you know, something that, again, I want to make sure I've got my 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 horse in that race. I, I never like tokens that don't have a max supply because of the fact that they can, you know, like the US dollar, just print the shit out of it forever, right? But I do believe that, and just because they don't have max supply doesn't mean they can't pump. 
And the reality is we're so early in this thing. Like somebody said, the horses aren't even at the gate yet. That's even better. I love that. Um, but the reality is, yeah, I think Casper, I think Kevin's onto something. here. I love Casper and I'm going to continue to stack the bags on that one. Yeah. There, there's a, one other thing I want to say, if you don't mind abs is Casper, um, they can always vote and change if they think it's best for the network to get rid of that inflation rate. They're oh, doing that so that they don't run out of tokens for utility purposes. And even the CEO said that we plan to be at max capacity. What was it in the next five years by 2027? So that piques my interest because that's significantly less than nine years that I just mentioned. And Very one nice. last thing is, you know, XRP started off going after payments, but now we have the XLS 30 amendment for DeFi and all this. Well, Casper, think of it going after enterprises and allowing developers, millions of developers to come on and build with easy-to-use IT infra architecture in any programming language rather than just Solidity. This is going to open the doors for many people to grow the entire crypto space. Boom, and that's a perfect place to segue into our next topic. As the, the Coinbase CEO, Brian Armstrong, did a video with Anthony Pompliano talking about what's hindering this crypto space from going through rapid growth. And you know what he blamed? Tribalism. So let's listen to this video and get some comments from the group. Here we go. I want the whole industry to kind of collaborate more, like, the divisiveness, the tribalism in, in crypto is one thing that kind of bugs me. I think it probably bugs you too. And the, the enemy is not other crypto people. Like we're all pretty much on the same team here. Uh, the goal is like, how do we 100x the size of the pie? I'm, I'm pro Lightning Network, like all this stuff. Um, but I'm also like supportive of everybody in crypto who's basically trying to create decentralized cryptocurrencies that increase economic freedom in the world. I don't even know if he's being totally honest there. We've played some other videos with him and Sam Bankman-Fried pushing us towards centralization, actually. So I thought that was interesting. Didn't hear the end of the video until now. I'd love to get some thoughts from Johnny Crypto. And then we'll kick it to Kevin Cage before we show our listeners the smartest way to track your crypto. Yeah, he's kind of up there on the rat snake weasel list. I don't really trust him. I mean, he's definitely working behind the scenes with SBF to try and make this thing a centralized thing. However, so he's definitely, you know, I put him on high up on the rat snake weasel index, but I would say that I do agree with one statement. He said the industry should come together and work together as a whole. And the fact that, you know, you don't want a scarcity mindset and look at it here. Like, look at us, look at us here. We bring as many, you know, crypto experts like Kevin Cage on the show. We want to work together with everybody. It's in the best interest of it. The, the sooner that the mindset is, Hey, let's work together. The better chance you have for this thing to be successful. Um, and so I, I would like to see him do that, but then you can't go behind the scenes and work to just make everything centralized. You know, that's where you're a rat snake weasel. So I would just like to see a little more honesty and integrity in this space, but I totally agree with him in a sense where the industry does need to come to get work together. And I know that's what BitBoy's trying to do with the bill and trying to protect and keep centralization alive. It would be great to see the decentralized people and the centralized people come together and really, truly make something special happen but I'm not sure we're ever going to see that. I don't know if Kevin or Billy has any comments on that. It's Kevin, a, I was just going to say it's the natural human order of things, you know. Granted, if, if all of us could come together, we would definitely live in a better world. But you do have those individuals that talk out the side of their face. They do one thing while doing something else. But I agree. If we could all come together, we could change the world with this space. I mean, completely change lives for the better. Um, we just have to do it the right way. But again, like Johnny said, we got too many rat snake weasels out here. Uh, they talk out of the side of their face and got too many things going on in the background. Doing something over here. Yeah, exactly. exactly. And you know, it's funny. I want to give Kevin some insight. The rat snake weasel index is something we created on our channel to determine how people are misleading investors. So Jim Cramer, Gary Gensler, those are the people who are on one end of the spectrum. Here we got the top. You're yeah. at the very top of our rat snake weasel. Jamie Diamonds. Then we got the opposite end where we got the good players in the market. But I want to point out this tweet from Brad Garlinghouse. He took the time to respond to this Pompliano video, and he actually shook hands. He put the shaking hands emoji and said, anti-tribalism, tribalism club. Pretty funny there, but I'd like to get some thoughts from you, Kev. <laughs> no, I actually think it's funny that Brad is finally taking shots because I think he's been humble for too long. I know some people say, ah, you shouldn't be doing that. No, he's, you've, you know, you've been fighting with the SEC, pointing at corruption. And now with the Hinman documents, the SEC might try to just take a quick win and settle sooner. Um, I think it's well-deserved. And another thing, if you guys have Amazon Prime, uh, last week I rented a documentary for $4. It was the Coinbase documentary called Coin. And it shows the whole background of Brian Armstrong and the creation of Coinbase. Really recommend to check that out and just you know learn more about the history of crypto. 
That's pretty cool. And we, we got 347 live listeners joining us. Show us some love. Smash that like button. Johnny Crypto, we're about to show you guys the smartest way to track your cryptocurrency. Let that ad play, my friend. Have you gotten wrecked in the crypto market space or watched your crypto portfolio go all the way up and then all the way down without taking profits? If so, it's probably because you didn't have an exit plan. The good news is that doesn't need to happen anymore thanks to a new and innovative crypto tracker called Merlin. It's the smartest way to track your crypto. Merlin brings all your coins into one place so you can see all your assets across the different exchanges on one screen. You can see your total portfolio value and more importantly, your daily gains, losses, and total since inception. Merlin puts the power back in your hands so you no longer have to guess what your portfolio is doing on a daily or monthly basis. Most importantly, Merlin lets you create an exit plan and sends you notifications when your targets are reached so you no longer have to get wrecked in the marketplace. Go to MerlinCrypto.com. That's MerlinCrypto.com and sign up for early access for our free 30-day trial and get on the wait list so you can receive an email when the product is launched this fall. Don't miss out on this new and innovative app, Merlin. It's the smartest way to track your crypto. Beautiful, Johnny Crypto. That ad speaks for itself, but I'd love to give you the floor and then we'll give Kevin Cage a chance to address the fans. I'll tell you, between Kevin Cage and Abs, I don't know who's got the better voice. This is so exciting. We got some great voices here on this I give show. it to Kev. I give it to Kev. Yeah, yeah me too. Uh, I give Kev the ad. Uh, but I'll tell you, yeah, we're, we're super excited because we know at the end of the day, what we're, you know, this is just a problem I found in the space when I got into it. And, and hopefully that once we launch this, we'll be able to help other people as well, Abs, to be able to do that. And we're excited because we've got some special, special partnerships that we will be announcing shortly. So stay tuned to uh to listen to the partnerships that we'll we'll be partnering with that will allow you to be able to follow some of your favorite favorite influencers and what their exit plans are wink wink <laughs> thank you guys and we can't tell you but if you can make an inference we just gave you some clues we're going to dive back into our twitter news for today as twitter is allowing nfts to be directly displayed on tweets making it easier to buy and sell nfts and i don't think it's coincidence that yesterday my good friend i'm just kidding elon musk purchased twitter and that's pretty exciting i'd love to get some thoughts from kevin cage we also have an update for our listeners stating that he fired the the employee who banned Kanye West and Donald Trump's account. So I'd like to get your thoughts on that. What do you think about Elon purchasing Twitter and the fact that NFTs are now compatible? So the NFT thing does not surprise me one bit. We were seeing Instagram do you know similar things as well. Um, I hope that Elon does something about the bots because there are like 70 fake impersonators. There's Kevin Cage, there's Kelvin Cabbage, there's all these fake impersonators DMing everybody and soliciting money. Um, and so I know Elon proposed, he deleted this tweet earlier this year about having a collateral. So if anybody creates a Twitter account, put in $1 of collateral. Um, could that? I think that would pre, you know prevent a lot of bots yeah. and make it expensive to create spam. But yeah, I just don't know. Um, super crazy. Yeah, I think that's actually a really good thing. I'm not, you know, I really didn't care how this thing went one way or the other. I wasn't really following it until it actually happened because to me it was a distraction until then. But I will say this, Elon, if you're listening, please, brother, please bring the freaking edit button. All right, I'm tired of deleting all my mistakes and having to create a new tweet. Please bring us the edit button. It certainly is well overdue. And it, it is going to be exciting to see Trump come back. I'm sure that's going to bring some exciting. Go ahead, Billy. I can't, I can't wait to see a mean tweet. Like, I, I want to see, I'd actually like to hear your thoughts. What do you think about Elon purchasing Twitter? Me and you, we love to go down the conspiracy rabbit hole. Do you think this is for the greater good or what's on your mind? What do you think of Elon purchasing Twitter? Well, I wish, I wish I could determine whether Elon's a good guy or bad guy. Like he's, he's so out of the realm. It's hard, hard to know what he's going to do. Like he's the same one. He gives so many side indications of what he's doing and throws. He, he's one of the best trolls out there. Um, so for free speech, if he's doing it from that side of it and he, you know, is going to allow Twitter to be open, I think right now, you know, the stock is like $53, $54. It's hitting a, it's hitting a resistance peak right now. But if he turns Trump back on and, and that happens, there's, there's going to be an epic flow of inform information going through Twitter again. Like Twitter at one time was, was the place to be. I mean, it still is a good place to be. But could you imagine getting, like Kevin said, getting rid of all the damn bots and actually having true good information flow through and, and not censored on anything and to have yay back on and get Andrew Tate and Donald Trump. Are you serious, bro? Like it, that would be amazing. I want everyone to have free speech. Like everyone should be able to say whatever it is that you want to say, no matter what it is. And then let everybody else take that information and disseminate it for themselves. Um, but yeah, I don't, I don't want to be in a world where we're telling people they can't say something.
I did hear a great point. It said, if an argument is so false and so incorrect, you should be able to prove them wrong. So these conversations shouldn't be muted. They should be had on an open platform. And this is a pretty exciting time. I really do believe that. But let's dive into some more crypto news because this is a massive update as the OCC is going to be launching the official financial technology, the Office of Financial Technology in early 2023. And we always call 2023 the year of institutional adoption. This is another move in that direction. So the Office of Computroller of Currency announced that the agency will launch an Office of Financial Technology in early 2023. The office said the agency aims to quickly expand upon the enterprise to ensure the adaptability in a rapidly changing banking landscape. This is pretty exciting, Kevin, because we talked about the timeline that they just highlighted of ISO migration. Well, now we've got a body coming together to actually oversee that technology. What are you thinking about 2023 being the year of institutional adoption? I think it will be. Um, the previous year, the year or two, it was the year of uh, interoperability and plugging in things, kind of like David Schwartz said, the year of connectivity. Um, so it wouldn't surprise me. We're seeing more interest. We're seeing CBDCs. Everybody has heard of crypto now. You know, in 2017, yeah, maybe you heard of Bitcoin. Now everybody's heard of crypto, but there's still a bad taste in everybody's mouth. And we're not aware of utility, utility tokens. Anybody preaching the promise of utility in a bear market is seemed is looked like an it looks like an idiot and this is how it works so overall i think this will be a massive year for crypto um this is the most complicated global macro macroeconomic environment we've ever seen and i think within that there is still massive opportunity so make sure you maintain a cash position as crazy as that sounds with inflation because you just don't know and you want to be prepared for anything and make the best out of you know whatever you're handed yeah, and I think, you know, when you look at this, Abs, this is really, really interesting. You almost have a battle between three agencies in the government. So you got the CTFC saying they own crypto. You got the SEC saying they own crypto. And now you got the OCC saying it. So it's going to be really interesting to see where this plays out. Because ultimately, at the end of the day, Congress has the power to, to you know, to say where this thing is, how this is going to, to regulate this, right? To put it into a place and give it governing bodies and all that stuff. And so right now you got got all three of the agencies fighting. So it'll be really interesting for me to see how it plays out. But I truly hope it ends up outside the SEC and ends up more as a commodity or something because it really is a, a utility thing rather than a, a security. So I, I hope that's what we see. But I, I am very fascinated by this. It's going to be interesting to see where this lands. And check out this latest document we have. And this is an update from the SEC against Ripple lawsuit. And the SEC filed a, a explaining how XRP was considered a security. In their explanation, they actually described Ripple as a decentralized blockchain. So a native currency that operates, for example, on Re Ripple's decentralized blockchain network is a specialized instrument for a particular computer network, not legal tender. Similarly, XRP is used as a bridge between two real fiat cryptocurrency or sorry, currencies does not bestow legal tender status on XRP. This is very interesting. They're outlining the use cases for XRP. And we continue to highlight how the SEC is losing this case, Kevin. I don't mean to continue to bring this up. But what do you think about what the SEC said here, calling the XRPL a decentralized blockchain? So the SEC just said that? Yes, the SEC. I mean, I, I would agree. Ripple owns very little validators. And even the amount that concerns everybody is programmatically locked with escrow. And I, I've used the escrow function. I even used it within the Sum Wallet and XRP toolkit. So I actually locked up a small bag of XRP until 2025, just so I'm not tempted to sell anything. Um, I mean, the technology speaks for itself. I, I don't understand how everybody can say XRP is centralized. Maybe previously, you know, almost 10 years ago, but I think we're going to come out on top for this case on a go-forward basis. Ripple's going to pay their fines. Could be hefty. They're a Decacorn-plus company worth over $10 billion. They can afford it. And I want to get the show on the road so that we can allow more innovation in the U.S. Exactly. Johnny Crypto, what do you think about them calling it? So we, we have the Department of Justice and FinCEN labeled it a virtual currency. And XRP, the SEC is describing the use cases in this document. What are you thinking? And then we'll move on to some more important news. So the SEC said that this is coming from the SEC? This is coming from the SEC's argument as to why Ripple should, or sorry, XRP should be considered a conspiracy. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of weird. I mean, right, it should be considered a security, not conspiracy. Security. So when you read it, what they're trying, so the argument they're trying to say here is it's not money, right? Because it's a, it's a computer program. It's it's transferred back and forth. But the part that, that where, where to me, it doesn't make sense 
there is when you look at a company like TapJets, they're actually using it as a currency. And when you look at the way this system is designed as a bridge currency, cross-border payment system, it's designed to actually settle the payments so you don't have to sit on the Nostro Vostro accounts that have a shit ton of cash. It's replacing cash. So to come here and say it's not... It's not a currency when its role is to replace currency just to me is mind boggling. But again, I never thought the SEC case had a leg to stand on based on where they're coming from. Anyway, yeah, maybe the way they launched it in 2013, I think all these cryptocurrencies, you know, we're doing maybe as a security offering the way they advertised in 2013. But the way it's being done today, it's a bunch of horse bullshit. And I think it's, it's, it's just the sooner this case ends, the better. They just have nothing that. Nothing to hang their hats on. And this is another exciting update from Ripple. As the critics have pointed out that the company's XRP ownership is an indicator that the XRPL is controlled by Ripple. This is not true. Each validator node gets a one vote regardless of how much XRP they own. And Ripple's, Ripple currently operates four of the 130 plus validator nodes on the network. This is just another example of how XRP is decentralized. And maybe it's one of the reasons that the SEC is being forced to admit this within the lawsuit. So this is pretty exciting news. But let's dive into some more content because there's just so much news we can get into today. And we've got payments giant Visa filing a trademark to create their own crypto platform. And this is another example of how 2023 will eventually become the year of institutional adoption. But I want to focus on this, Kevin. What do you think about we have Flare Network launching? So we're going to have DeFi applications coming to the XRPL. We're also going to have NFTs coming on the XRPL starting on October 31st. What are you anticipating? And is there anything you think people should be aware of when those migrations take place? Yeah, so Halloween is a pretty interesting day. So one, we have NFTs on the XRP ledger with XLS20. That was also when the Bitcoin white paper was published in 2008 on Halloween. And it's also Casper's birthday. Now, going into 2023, um, you know, dear God, I hope that Flare Networks launches on time. It's been a long wait. Um, and also, so that's cross-chain interoperability. But now we have the other XLS30 um, amendment for the XRP ledger for its own native DeFi as a layer one solution. And David Schwartz has actually emphasized this really well at Apex, uh, at Apex, his interview a while back. So I'm excited. XRP is actually being put into a position to be a true L1 competitor instead of just a payments narrative. And just remember that Ripple has a $250 million creator fund, a quarter billion dollars to build NFT, NFT utility on the XRPL a war chest. Thank you. And Johnny, check out this tweet. We had on-demand liquidity go live in Brazil, and that could be one of the reasons we experience a price run when the world is using XRP for on-demand liquidity, specifically corridors like Brazil to Europe, or we have the Philippines to Sweden, I believe. There's a bunch of corridors that are opening, but we know that RippleNet is live in over 55 countries around the planet. To close out our XRP segment, what do you think of this news and the fact that Ripple now owns less than 50% of the total supply? All things trending in exactly trending in exactly the way I would want to see it trending as an XRP owner, right? I want to see the the the, the, the decentralization grow larger and the centralization piece of it with the part they hold get smaller. I want to see increased use of the ODL, specifically the ODL, because the ODL is where the XRP is. I think we keep losing Billy. I don't know if he's got a bad Wi-Fi signal there, yep. but I think it's so important that we see that increased use of the ODL adoption. Because again, that's the best chance for XRP demand to go up. And as the demand goes up, we know ultimately someday the price is going to go up. So to me, again, abs, these are all the things that in when you're in the beginning of something and you're building a house and you're building the foundation and you're seeing it come together, you're seeing the parts of the house that it's going to look like, that's what we're starting to see here. We're starting to see all the elements get put in place. The one thing I said is I want to see that happening here in the u.s when we start seeing banks and companies starting adopting it here as well to me that's going to be the ultimate signal that that's the that's checkmate for xrp and ripple in my opinion when we start seeing that happen here so that's those are the signs i'm looking for next and i really do think that the reason brad garlinghouse and Stuart alderati are coming out and making such bold statements is that a resolution for this lawsuit is in the works and we're getting more hints to that right now as the sec's office of inspector general's report is worth a read Stuart alderati tweeted he said, besides the embarrassingly bad performance review, the OIG concludes there is uncertainty on whether the SEC has jurisdiction over crypto. This is the SEC's own cop on the beat talking. So this is really interesting because even officials at the SEC are unsure whether they have jurisdiction over the crypto market. 
What do you think, Kevin Cage? Do you believe that the SEC will inevitably have jurisdiction over crypto, or are you anticipating the OCC and the CFTC having larger control? I think it should be a joint collaboration. It shouldn't be centralized in the hands of one authority. I think that's a joke. Um, Brian Brooks, former acting comptroller of the OCC and also the temporary CEO of Binance US, he even pointed out how uh, fractionalized all our systems are the SEC, you have, you know, the OCC, you have the CFTC, there's like seven organizations, and they all do not work together well, by any means. So I think that we just we need a revamp of not just the financial system, but the government. 100%. Johnny, any comments here? I totally agree with Kevin. At the end of the day, no one agency is going to, I think what's going to happen is you're going to get a coexistence and you've already seen that there were certain things may fall under a security. If the way they're launched, the way it's set, if that's the case, then the sec is going to fight for that to always control that and engage that. Um, but I do believe it, if they wanted to do this, right, Kevin spot on, it should be done in a, in a collaborative effort to say, okay, Oh, I think we lost him. Wow, this is an interesting episode, Kevin, but let's get into a little talk, me and you, because the last thing I have prepared is the inflation that's taking place. The The Fed is reporting 8.2% inflation year over year. When you shop for goods and services, that is clearly not the rate. Milk is up over 80%, toothpaste is 43%, and they've got alcohol up 63% on the year. I'm not sure if you live in America, but I'd love to hear what you think about the inflation. Is this just starting? Is this the way that the future is going to work? Hyperinflation. So I'm actually from Chicago, but I'm currently in Puerto Rico. Um, so I've definitely felt the effects of inflation because I was in you know a small house in Chicago. Everything was pretty cheap. Gas was cheap. Then I moved here and I'm like, holy smokes. Um, so I think, I mean, inflation has risen exponentially the past couple of years. I think that eventually we are due for a deflationary year. Um, that might be unpopular, but I do think that we have to kind of take the gas off a little bit. So I think it's going to come back down. But uh, yeah, this is this is a reason why, you know, we've been preaching 2020, 2018, talking about a hedge against inflation, or at least looking for other vehicles that can protect your capital, because the US dollar is not going to be that protection. Johnny, and what's fascinating is that the Fed is trying to raise rates in order to combat inflation. But if you look historically, that has never been a solution to battle inflation. And one of the things that I heard a, very, a man much smarter than myself point out is that if they raise the rates to the 4% that they're anticipating, that is $1.2 trillion that would be owed to the Federal Reserve and be taken out of the economy. It's just not possible. It would literally collapse not only the stocks, crypto, everything. It would cause a total 1929 collapse, but I'd love to get some closing remarks from you, Roto. What are you anticipating as the Fed raises rates? Clearly, inflation, it's not going down. Well, first of all, here's the problem. The Fed creates inflation. <laughs> you know, you print money, you throw helicopter money out there, you create the problem. And then the solution to creating the problem is to pull the money back out. I mean, the reality is Kevin's right, though. You do have to pull the money out. And that is an issue. You have to go through the pain just as much as we all got to go through the joy of two extra trillion dollars being out there and we saw it get thrown in everywhere. The reality is if you truly want to fix the problem, Abs, you need to cap the money supply, right? It's got to be tied to something, but that's why it's not. They they deconnected de it from gold many, many years ago in the 70s. And the reality is now the question is which president is willing to sit there and let the economy go through the pain that it has to go through to remove the money from the supply or from the system? Right. Because what that means is that every like Kevin's right, you will get the prices coming down, which is really what we need. But jobs are going to be lost. People are going to be in the street. No president wants that. No, those parties don't want that. That's why you're never, ever, ever going to see it. You're going to they're going to get it to a certain level of pain. They're going to raise this thing to about seven or eight percent and let that pain work through the system. And there'll be some job loss and stuff. And then guess what's going to happen? They're going to turn the damn print presses back on and do it all over again. How much you want to bet? How much you want to bet they're going to do? It's just rinse, wash, and repeat. They've been doing this cycle over and over again since the 70s. And all they've done is killed the value of the dollar. It's a damn shame. You're spot on, Johnny. And I think that hyperinflation, we're just beginning this journey. We had a quote from Nancy Pelosi saying the solution to inflation is to stop making such a big deal out of it. She said, minimize the conversations because there's nothing we can do. So I thought that was an interesting comment there. Talk about rat snake weasel. She's right up there at the top of the list with the other ones. There's nothing we can do about it. Yeah, there is. How about stop printing freaking money? That's what yeah. you can do about it. Yep. You're spot on, Johnny. And I got a last interesting topic for our listeners out there. We got 355 people joining us. Show us some love. Smash that like button. Kevin Cage is in the building. And I'd love to get his thoughts on this graphic here. We are showing a graphic of 14 cryptocurrencies 
I think that all have really great use cases besides Bitcoin. Love to get Kevin's thoughts. It says you can only pick one. I'm not going to hold you to it, but what gets you excited on this list? I see some of your favorites, Quant, Casper, XRP, VeChain. What are you what are you paying attention to, Kev? Oh, I can't wait to hear Kevin's. Yeah, so, so all of these projects in this list are fundamentally strong. Um, for me, right or wrong, my personal style as an investor is looking at an asset that I think has the highest ROI potential. I don't want to get married to any idea. So I'd be looking at something that seems to be undervalued and ignored by the masses that is closer to all-time low price and that also has building partnerships and sticks to the roadmap. So then when that utility and volume comes, it can therefore push the price up hypothetically if the protocol is used. So, you know, I talk about a few of these. I'm not going to name one. Because I think the best way to manage a portfolio is by holding, you know, a handful and rotating accordingly when one goes up. And then when that goes up, you can go into the next one and compound it properly. So that's how I play it. Um, But of course, some people, you know, go big, they consolidate their wealth. And, you know, some of those guys are billionaires because they took that risk. So, yeah, all of these are strong. I mean, Kadena background with the guys that built JPM coin behind it, you know, a strong layer one Cosmos with IBC connectivity to all these networks. Um, Algorand, you know, Gary Gensler has always spoken highly of Algo and his old courses for MIT back in the day. So wouldn't mind if Algo gets a free pass because I love it. But um, yeah, all solid. Pretty exciting you know, list. Johnny, you, I'm going to make him, I want to put Kevin Cage on the spot and this is a obviously right. not, not a- If I had to pick spot. one right now, it would be Casper, no doubt. For the next 10 years was my question. For the next 10 um, years, Casper oh, would be the one? It would be between XRP and Casper. Got it. XRP and Casper for the next decade ahead. That's pretty exciting. Johnny Crypto, what are your thoughts? You know what gets me excited about this list, Abs? When I go through this list, I just count them. I I own 12 of the 14 of these tokens. To, yeah. to me, that's what gets me. Kevin said it, and I've been saying it to all along. This, so you have to own some horses in this race, right? And you want to make sure that you are investing in ones that either have a good potential high ROI, but to me, it's also important that they have a utility case. They have to meet, I don't want a shit coin. I want something that has some real utility that has the chance to survive long-term. And when I look at this list, I get excited because each one of these, you can go through this list and talk about the utility that each one of these brings or what they're trying to solve. There's a real problem there. And to me, um, it's just a great place to start. And especially considering how early we are, it's just a, it's a wonderful list for me and yeah i'm very very happy to say i own about 90 percent of them and i would imagine you know again if you don't and you're new to this space look at that list i think that's a, a good place to start as kevin said all those have great potential. awesome and johnny i know we only got a couple of minutes yes and i said that would be our last topic but i remembered that jp morgan is launching their digital identity program and they announced that this mm-hmm. week i would love to get some thoughts from kevin cage we always talk about how people are going decentralized and you're going to start owning your data hopefully JP Morgan's taking the opposite approach. What they want to do is they want to connect not only your banking, not only your opinions, every aspect to your life, your medical records, everything is going to be connected to their digital ID and stored within their blockchain. I'd love to hear some of your thoughts about decentralized versus centralization and digital identities. Is this, is this an inevitable concept? (laughs) So first off, I'll just say I despise JP Morgan. Hmm. Um, If you guys ever watched the show, like iRobot, you know, there's a few companies in the world that are literally that, you know, that E-Corp or whatever the company's name is. So I I think it's a joke. Um, They're feeling the pressure of decentralized solutions. But I think all of like, so society is on a pendulum. We rotate, you know, every century from centralization to decentralization. We've gotten to the point where it's been so centralized and there's been, you know, certain levels of oppression. It created the birth of Bitcoin um, because of what happened to the economy and the Federal Reserve. So I think that, centralization and all of this, you know, policing is good because it pushes innovators to do something to fight against the system. And so that's my hope for the future is that even JPM doing this, there's going to be some guys somewhere that are building a decentralized solution to, you know, smash these guys right on their face. And I really believe that. And I love to point out what's already taking place today because people pretend as if this is science fiction. If you look at what's happening in China today, they not only have central bank digital currencies operating in jurisdictions, they have social credit scores. And what's really interesting is that if you terrifying right and they act, they even have these drones which are which are built with facial recognition technology where if you do not comply with their role, laws let's say they have a 9 p.m curfew this drone catches you out past 9 p.m they automatically dox your cbdc account no discussions had no process to go through you'll get back to your house that money will be gone love to get some closing remarks there and then we'll finish on a positive note i'm a, I'm a capitalist at heart so 
Yeah, me too. And I'm we're anti whatever, but it is an interesting idea that the fact that you brought up something, if that's what our competitors are doing, are we going to be forced to adopt these technologies in order to keep up with our competition, whether that's China or other states? Yeah. And the thing is, you we can argue about these technologies that it could be not to get too crazy, but our enslavement, the way I see it is, look, this revolution is happening with or without us. I'm trying to make some money to ensure that my family and friends are well taken care of. And then I can use that financial wealth to make the world a better place and fight for people. Bingo. That's how I see it, instead Bingo. of being passive. That's what we've been talking about here on the show, Kevin. At the end of the day, look, you, you can't fight City Hall. What you can do is join it in a way, in a sense where we know this system's coming, exactly what you said to enslave us. So you're going to sit here and cry about it all day? No. You go out and you say, okay, what can I do about it? Well, one thing you can do is you can invest in those systems before they come so you can be part of creating generational wealth for your family and put yourself in a better position to, you know, to live a better life like you talked about. I think I think that's 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 what you can do about it. And, you know, yeah. another thing people talk about here, you know, people saying, why is only Uphold the only one that sells XRP in the U.S.? Guys, it's not. You can buy XRP in the U.S. on uh, both, uh, not only in Uphold, but also through BitTrue and through KuCoin. And I don't know, there might be some other ones, but I know those three at a minimum, you can certainly buy XRP there as well. Awesome, guys. And we're going to close this episode out the same way we always do by saying thank you to each one of our special guests. Thank you to Johnny Crypto. Thank you to Billy. And thank you to Kevin Cage. An amazing episode and hopefully the beginning of many more collaborations. We got 341 live listeners joining us. Show us some love. Smash that like button. It's like we always say, Warriors, rise. Yeah, <laughs> baby. Thank you for joining Thanks, guys. Thank you. Let's Thank go. You, hey, guys, don't forget to follow Kevin on YouTube and Twitter. We ready. We ready. We ready. For y'all. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. We ready.